0: Okay, tell me about your show.
1: (gasps) Okay, so I'll do a shameless self-promotion. The show is called Too Far for Comfort. It premieres Saturday, December twelfth. And we have an encore performance on December 14th. So Too Far for Comfort is it's an all the show is all on Zoom. And basically what the show is, it's it's an it's an exploration of um the human condition through isolation. Oh. So it's not dealing with anything. It's dealing with like universal themes that come out of being isolated and kind of like civil unrest. It's kind of an exploration of just the human condition through different perspectives. Yeah, it's an hour long show. Tickets are $7 on Eventbrite. And we'll send you a Zoom link. Uh, Too Far for Comfort, it's put on by Burning Bones Theatre Company, who which is run by one of my very dear friends, um, Frankie Mullenix. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I, um, I love collaborating with Frances, And I just think she has such an old wise soul when it comes to creating that like any chance to collaborate with her is truly it's just such a spectacle and such an honor to be in the room regardless of capacity.
0: Mm-hmm. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I am Renee Pogue, and he's Jace Wingate. I'm Jace Wingate. And this is Read This Way, this a podcast this where Way. we talk about whatever we want because it's our podcast. It. It's our and bodies. not yours.
1: Not yours. But you can also have ownership want
0: too. <laughs> you can buy stock in it. Well so by by Venmoing me and or Jace twenty five dollars, and you can have your very own badly photoshopped stock certificate in the Read This Way podcast.
1: I also have like twelve other shout outs, which I think you would love, this Renee. So Lisa, who is an actress, is a really dear friend of Rob's and mine, and we went to her daughter's art opening last night. She had an art show that opened and Mm -hmm. her handle is Marley Winters art Marley spelled M-A-R-L-E-E. And then winters spelled like winter, but plural and then art. And she has an Etsy that you should check out. She does um, block printing and all of the art is really super cool because it's kind of like this very taboo, witchy, like almost tarot carving And it's all super affordable. She like, she has prints and then she also prints her images onto clothing. And like she had the, um, there was some art that you could buy. It was like, you could buy all of the colored chakras on wood blocks. It was like 200 for all of them. And it was really beautiful. So big shout out to her. Also, you have to know. So one of my really, really dear, like sister friends from when I was younger, we were FaceTiming her while I was in Dallas and she mm-hmm. just said she loved the podcast and was like, yeah, I loved just <gasps> hearing both of your opinions and like Renee sounds fucking awesome. No, so, I'm not.
0: I'm just mildly well, okay.
1: I'm really broken. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that was going. I don't know why I said that, but it's there. (laughs) And I'm
0: so excited to be here today because I'm not going to lie. I have been waiting all day to talk to Jace because I am desperate to have a conversation about tulpas and like the Venn diagram of people who love me and people who will let me ramble about something strange. For Jace, it's a circle.
1: Bless. I'm, thank you. you and, and, you know, I believe that friendship is ballroom dancing. So Renee also gives me the space to push equally as hard back with mm-hmm. my random musings and truly feral stream of conscious thinking
0: I think that's lovely. A Chaotic neutral and what did I, true neutral? I don't remember what I am. I think I'm true neutral. You're
1: true neutral. Maybe
0: I'm, or maybe I'm lawful neutral. I'm one of those.
1: No, you're definitely, you're, you're true neutral. Okay. I wouldn't talk to you um. if you're lawful neutral.
0: That's like, <laughs> nope. like- No laws, we die like men. Yeah. And I will say, tulpas have absolutely nothing to do with this comic book. I've just been thinking about them since this morning. When I took my dogs on a walk and I was like, Oh, cat's not wanna gonna wanna listen to me talk about Tulpas. I better wait till I'm talking to Jace tonight. Jace will listen to me rant about Tulpas. It actually has to do with this current political environment that we are living in. Now, Jace, do you know what a Tulpa is?
1: Uh yeah, it's what it's basically what QAnon is.
0: Actually, that is what got me thinking about it because really? listeners yeah, listeners, if you are unfamiliar familiar with the term Tulpa, it is a sort of paranormal. I would say starts out as a paranormal term. It's basically a manifestation of whatever you're putting your energy into.
1: It's like so, Slender Man.
0: Yes. Yeah, Slender Man is an excellent example of a Tulpa where so many people have focused their minds on him that they have basically made him a real thing. I just got to thinking about how there's a certain party, not, you know, a fun birthday party, but a political party, who seem to honestly believe that they can say whatever they want and that makes it real. And I was like, this is a this is a party on a platform of Tulpas because there's no there's no substance or weight It's not like other beliefs where you see evidence and you examine the evidence and you make a decision based on that. These beliefs are based on I want this to be true, so I'm just gonna say it. And if people don't believe me, then they're oppressing my first amendment right. And it just, yeah, it just got me thinking. I was like, this is a party standing on Tulpas and worshiping Tulpas.
1: And like, I mean, but you also have to look at this particular party of whom we will not name. (laughs) And it's not even,
0: it's not the whole party, I will say. It's not the whole party. Although I'm not giving,
1: I'm not giving
0: anyone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I will say nobody in this party is innocent because.
1: Exactly. Because we remember the Reagan 90s. We don't forget, honey.
0: We don't forget, honey. Um, but you know, people who haven't directly engaged in it have still st- stood back and let it happen. But yeah, it's just—I'm sorry, I interrupted you.
1: No, you're fine. You're, it's you're well, nothing
0: good. I just know it.
1: It's well. I mean, again, it's it's the fact so you look at the church. It's all based on faith. So I would mm-hmm. their tulpas be based on faith too.
0: Yeah. But it's just you you say this thing because you want it to exist, not because you believe it actually
1: exists. One praying it into existence.
0: Yeah. So anyways, that was on my mind all day. That's an unfortunate peek into the inside of what I'm thinking about while I'm sipping my 18 cups of coffee.
1: Yes. I took three shots of coffee before I got on this microphone. I'm on six beta blockers and a large iced coffee. I have no idea what I'm here for. <laughs> Freckle truly changed the way I viewed me- uh, media. Like, yes. Just so funny. I have a wig.
0: <laughs>
1: the the parts the for redheads only. I have a wig. I have a wig. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> I like can't even like put I can't pinpoint that emotion that freckle feels in that moment.
0: and I love that sometimes things that are expensive are worse. Are
1: worse. I do have an anecdote for you. yes, so when I was in Dallas, um, one of my besties, I like I have to preface a story that it's told with complete love for everyone involved in the story. <laughs> These are so funny so uh my friend when she was when she was home one time um she was with her then husband and uh the then husband was debating her mom about uh it was creationism versus evolution and her mom this is truly such a power move her mom goes i'm gonna stop you right there because i don't believe in
0: fossils (laughs) oh god
1: like what a power move isn't that so like i i'm like the the power behind me like i'm gonna stop you right there i don't believe in fossils i'm like okay great (laughs) i won't i won't mention them I like, so I love watching these like Karen compilations on YouTube where they freak oh, out. Yes. And I'm like, there's so many like unwell people in America.
0: Right? Imagine if mental health was something people could just get.
1: Imagine. Can you believe?
0: <laughs> Can you believe?
1: Like, I, I truly, I'm like, this is, this is why QAnon and like the conspiracy theories, like, In the wrong hands, I'm like, oh, this just kind of – like where people were maybe Mm high-functioning, like mentally unwell, are becoming like – I don't even know what's below low-functioning. It's like you're becoming like – are they noble gases on the –
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like helium?
1: This is where, like, the listeners find out that this is basically, like, Pygmalion, where you're teaching me how to be, like, a civilized person.
0: <gasps> yes. I've always wanted to do that. Well, Once I become a civilized person, perhaps I can teach other people how to.
1: The, the blind leading the blind, right?
0: hmm In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king.
1: You're right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, I didn't think about it that way. Now that you put it that way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who's. Oh no.
1: Honestly, I listened to this YouTube thing about reading and how. (laughs) Why highlighting is important while reading a book because reading is like carrying a bucket of water, but there's a hole in the bottom of the bucket. So you retain. So, like, you're reading, but you only retain a little bit of the water. And, like, again Mm. have been shooketh anything that I read I'm like guess that water's just running out of this bucket (laughs) see the problem with me is it's not like I think he meant like there's a small hole at the bottom mine's like there's no bottom to my bucket like I'm pulling the bucket out of the well and the water's already gone by the time I've read (laughs) the page so (laughs) so
0: There's just nothing left to the, the, the bucket is really just an open cylinder.
1: It's basically, honestly, that's doing me too much justice. I haven't even gone to the well and the bucket's still broken, but I haven't <laughs> even gone to the well to get the water when I'm reading.
0: <laughs> I just, I, I rolled up this piece of construction paper into like a telescope and I've been using it to carry water, but it's very insufficient.
1: They moved the well.
0: They moved, yeah.
1: I don't know where the well is. No,
0: nope.
1: no. They they,
0: <laughs> they put
1: they put in Google Fiber where the well was. Oh no! Oh god! See now,
0: now you're getting into a Banksy art piece.
1: Yeah. Ooh. Remember when he remember like the the power move when that one piece sold and then mm-hmm. it went through a paper shutter? Yeah. Could you imagine being that like donor who bought it?
0: I, I, I mean, I hope it ruined their day, but apparently it just drove the cost up more.
1: Yeah. I don't understand why.
0: I mean, I guess it's
1: even, it's like even more one of a kind. Like here you have shredded pieces of paper by a really famous artist.
0: Well, it didn't um, shred completely. It only shred halfway.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. I guess so the You tried to get it to
0: shred you know, it all the way.
1: Like, the spectacle and the story of it, I'm sure, like, that making it so iconic would push the price up, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because it's very much a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Ow. My neck is just a crackling. Okay. Speaking of art, we've we've made it, we looped around, and we somehow ended up at art. I don't know how we did it. So the book we are, well, graphic novel we're covering today is probably the most artistic we've covered so far. Or at the very least, it is the closest to the type of art style that I most enjoy. It was, it gave me a, some really big, like yellow submarine vibes.
1: Ooh, yeah.
0: It's that very, like, psychedelic, bold colors, bold shapes, very inorganic, if that makes sense.
1: Very adventure time esque.
0: Yeah. And I thought it fit quite lovely with the subject matter of it, which, by the way, listeners, since I didn't say it, because I'm a terrible host, we are covering the amazing psychedelic existential graphic novel out of nothing by Daniel Locke with David Blandy. I
1: was, I was reading the introduction and if I understand it correctly, this was made in conjunction with the welcome trust. So I believe they, they were working in conjunction with Dr. Adam Rutherford, the geneticist,
0: which I think is so cool.
1: So cool.
0: I love just the idea of converging just different areas of study into something that where the sum is, or yeah, the sum is become greater than its parts. And I love this idea of this piece morphing, if you will, from a discussion about chimeras, which I love.
1: I love chimeras, too.
0: I think they're so fascinating and to have this i wouldn't call this necessarily a creation story but i definitely see this as a a reminder of just how how small and finite we are in the grand scheme of things and how you know?
1: little and how like little the creative process changes i loved um i think my favorite line is because I think this parallels so well to At the Mountains of Madness, like looking into the void and the void looks back. I mm-hmm. love that we get this story where it's like the, – where they use the line, the universe looks back on itself. The universe reflects on itself.
0: Yes. I thought that was beautiful.
1: The idea that we being humans are actually part of the collective consciousness of the universe. I thought that was really beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm. Perhaps my whole weird discussion about tulpas wasn't totally off base because you could say the emissary, who is sort of, sort of a guide throughout this book, is a brand of tulpa, something created through the wishes of others.
1: Isn't that so? Because I know that it says at the beginning that she is a... She's been sent... As a time traveler back in time, correct?
0: But it never says that humans sent her.
1: Our emissaries, they're watching and waiting. You're right. Could you imagine just being in space witnessing the creation of everything?
0: Yeah. So for readers who are unfamiliar with this graphic novel, it starts out with a wonderful um, explanation of our solar system and the universe and basically the destruction and creation of our universe, and we are introduced to the one character that will carry us throughout this story of our life, called the emissary. Who, I don't think she ever speaks.
1: She does speak when she um, does. Okay. Yeah, she does. I think she speak. The first time I think we see her speak is the Gutenberg section.
0: Oh, okay, that makes sense because printing press. Yeah. When voice was given to so many people but yes so she's basically our observer through the time of earth basically and it's wonderful she is there at the creation of all the wonders of the universe including our scary planet earth and the creation of life on earth which is so it, it just the way it's drawn, I guess the color palette and everything it just looks like a cool psychedelic black art poster. like I feel like I should have the lights off and a lava lamp going,
1: yeah, just the lightning, like the yellow, pink, and blue lightning and and i love I love how like poignant it's one cell encases another, yeah energy potential change, and then that's how life started. That's how, like, everything began to come together to create the Earth.
0: And it's interesting just to have her as such an observer. Like, she's not, at this point, she isn't interacting with anything. Just in there, in the brine, if you will, since that's what they call it in the book, watching the smallest things just, like, happening that will create life on at, what is, at that point, a little more than just a bunch of cells bouncing around?
1: Throughout the book, she never comments on what she's come from. She always like lives within the moment, which I think is really special, too. Yes. L- that she never loses observation. It's never like, mm-hmm. oh, I know what came before this. No, it's always, I'm taking everything in for the first time.
0: Yes. She's almost like like a perfect journalist or a perfect traveler. Which where- she becomes a
1: journalist later.
0: She does become a journalist later. That's true. That's true. But I love, she remembers everything, but she lives within each moment. And for her, it's about movement, keeping track of everything that's happened, but at the same time, she's consistently moving forward.
1: I can't tell if it's, is she pulled into the next time segment? Is from the ending, that's what I feel is It's she gets pulled through time. So, of course, she's at the beginning, staying in it, mm-hmm. witnessing it. And then the moment she's witnessed the birth, feels the sun on her face, feels coming out of the ocean, feels the sun warming her cheeks, taking mm-hmm. that first breath, she's pulled forward into the next time signature, right? Or do you think she stays think- and we're just seeing glimpses?
0: I think part of, at this point, I think probably we're just seeing glimpses. The only reason I think that is just the way the next two pages are almost, they're very slow moving. It's just her walking across this great expanse of desert with nothing really around her until we see the barren tree. But to her, it's mere moments because she doesn't perceive time. The same way we do. Yeah. After almost all time, the humans appear at first unremarkable, often close to extinction, dancing on a knife's edge. So fragile, but so resilient. And I think (sighs) at that point, I'm not sure how she hops time. I don't know if it's like a, a quantum leap thing where she just kind of takes a step and blinks. And then the next time she opens her eyes, she's in a cave.
1: Well, and she would have, of course, like being at the beginning of everything,
0: mm-hmm. her sense
1: of time, you're right, her sense of time would be absolutely like, I think you're right, like that's kind of meant to be the point as she blinks her eyes and opens them and she's in a new mm-hmm. era of time.
0: And she has just that wonderful capacity to adjust so quickly, she's just in her surroundings, in the context clues and feel the warmth of whoever's body she's currently inhabiting this scene i didn't quite get it yet but in later ones it definitely seems like she is inhabiting the body of somebody who already exists rather than a whole new person who has to be introduced to the other characters in the story if that makes sense
1: yes that does make sense and I think you're right, because I think at this point, again, in history, it's like these are just, they may have given names, but it's like, what he is a performer and artist. That's all that this person is. Mm-hmm. So in turn, she doesn't have to be anything yet. She doesn't have to be inhabiting a certain person. It's just, she can just be a body in this space.
0: But I feel like she also has to be a familiar person, especially in this scene. You know, this is a close-knit time where like you're I don't want to say tribe,
1: but your group. This tribe?
0: Yeah. I guess I just. The business world has ruined the word tribe for me. So people will just casually be like, oh, yeah, like everyone here, we're just like our own little tribe. And I'm like, no, you're not. (laughs) You're You're not.
1: Once you leave, you don't talk to each other once you leave. You're not hunting like wildebeest, honey. Yeah. None
0: of us are native, honey. (sighs) Yeah, it's. But I did, sorry, to get away from my own personal misgivings about the business world in general, which I'm (laughs) stuck in. Um, What I did love about this scene is it's, you know, it's such a fantastic reference to what they're talking about in the introduction about this creation of a scene or a creation of a creature to kind of celebrate this beast they saw. But also to weirdly humanize it and deify it in a way,
1: anthropomorphize it.
0: Yes. Yes. Perfect.
1: Reverse it? No, because anthropomorphizes too. I think that yeah, if you were to sculpt yeah, a statue and give it human-like features, that's still anthropomorphizing.
0: Yeah. Any Anytime you anthropomorphize, you're giving something that isn't human human features.
1: I'm assuming this is a bull, right, or an ox. I feel so bad because you see the close-up of the eye and it's such an innocent animal. It just doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> and that, and then that lion comes out and is like, I'm going to... It's time to kill.
0: <laughs> I know. It's the unfortunate circle of life. But it's so cool that they, they refer to it as the hunter's true form.
1: Yeah, that's hot. Because,
0: <laughs> because while they were... They considered themselves greater hunters than the people they were observing. They didn't know that an even better hunter was also watching them.
1: From the people who brought you on a stranger calls.
0: <laughs> I love the part with the storyteller because I I am always just so fascinated by the storytelling tradition. As a a dumb, nerdy student of history, perpetual student of history, I think the storytelling tradition is so important. You know, even if in this case, the story that they're saying isn't true, it still gives you a perspective into how these people think and live and act and discern the environment around them. So it's just cool to see an interesting representation of that in this wonderful, artful way. And the fact that this, you know, our guide knows that everything he's saying is wrong, but they sit and they listen anyway. They don't try to interject or make it about them, even though they know better they sit back and they listen and they let this person weave their stories, which I think is very cool.
1: Yeah, she's a respectful audience member. I love that too, that even though she knows he's wrong, she still sits and listens.
0: And I love I love that scene so much paired with when we see the lion and it says, it doesn't need stories or dreams to secure its position at the top of the food chain. We build up, this these legends and these stories about ourselves but this animal is so pared down and it doesn't need these frivolities to to get done what it needs to get done
1: yeah we're super predator by intellect alone Mm -hmm. that's it
0: and at first you believe it's an advantage but then as you continue reading it's however once it the lion encountered the type of brain capable of storytelling and of dreaming. Although it could not know it, its days were numbered. I just, I'm I'm sorry I just love this so much. This dreaming mind was new on earth. It was able to find ways of becoming that which it most feared, that which it most admired. Which is so cool. And then we we just see this creation of something new to earth. The creation not just of tools, not just of something that you're going to use to hunt, kill gather, build, but something that is just made for its aesthetic value.
1: Both man and lion. A tchotchke.
0: And it's just, it's cool. The ability to take an idea from one place and combine it with another notion to create new potent possibility. And I th- I think that is it's a wonderful way to explain how Homo sapien was able to find where our advantages and disadvantages were and advance based on the advantages given to us to work past, you know, some disadvantages we might have from an evolutionary standpoint. We don't have long claws. We don't have thick hides. We don't have the ability to run that fast compared to most land mammals, but we do have a very capable brain with the ability to imagine new things to create something that doesn't exist
1: and the gift of trial and error yes and borrowing like that's I I love that this book highlights that like the human mind is an expert borrower
0: well I'm sure you've heard this but when you dream your brain doesn't have the ability to create new faces yeah. So every person you see in your dream is somebody you have seen in real life, which I, th- I think is terrifying. <laughs> um yeah, but also th- kind of trying
1: kind to of kill me in my dreams. So that freaks me out.
0: Oh no! Yeah. As long as I don't ever try to kill you.
1: No, you've never tried to kill me in my dream. Yeah. Oh god! Oh god! Help! Yeah,
0: I think I think that's cool, and and. Just the fact that out of all the things your brain can combine, out of all the things you know, it can—it just takes you know magenta and cyan to make blue, but it can't combine to make new faces, which I think is very interesting. But now that I've seen this emissary's face, I will probably see it in my nightmares.
1: Oh yeah, you're done for. (laughs) I hope so. It's coming. Those nightmares—they're coming for you.
0: I can't wait. When was the last time I had a good nightmare? I don't remember. I'm definitely like setting myself up for one now, unfortunately. It's yeah. not like the smartest thing to do. Speaking of Tulpas.
1: Tulpas, Slender Man's gonna visit you tonight.
0: What goes through people's minds to create that kind of thing? Oh
1: well. I know, right. I'm like I'm like, okay, sociopath.
0: I love the way they show progress in it. Yeah. because it's just it it really exemplifies how slow and steady progress can be
1: walking across these mountain faces that would take months, if not years to find like whatever, whatever the new group is, whatever that means.
0: And can you just imagine traversing those mountains just over and over and over and over again until you are opening your eyes in another body? I love, I I know I said this, but I love all the stories just gonna get that out of the way i love all the stories this one i particularly love because i think it shows so clearly the importance of the written word the importance of the scribe importance of letting people know that we were here because that's such a human emotion to want to show
1: leave a mark yeah
0: exactly and the story about the apple is really cool yeah i didn't know that
1: is it a punnett square where you learn about genetics yep yep i thought that was really cool throwing back to Mm -hmm. that well and the fact that like the apple itself grew to be big and juicy and delicious so that that way it could spread its seeds throughout the world Mm -hmm. like how that was the natural selection of the fruit
0: which is so cool Stuff like that is so cool. And also, just the I know the word globalism is such a not really a dog whistle, but it's such a buzzword these days. So, I guess I don't mean it in like the traditional political sense, but just the coolness that exists from people all over the world interacting with each other that a plant that started in, you know, Central Asia would be ubiquitous across the entire planet now.
1: Exactly. These small communities somehow were doing something that someone across the ocean was doing. The idea of having the witch doctor or the the shaman who is painting the ox to keep them safe.
0: Yeah. Like
1: with some spiritual symbol that obviously had meaning to them, but to us just looks like paint on a on an animal.
0: Mhm. And I did appreciate, you know, the appearance of the shaman just kind of it was just a very you know, I can only help a little bit. Yeah. This is all I can do. It was just very, I liked it a lot. It was very um, authentic as opposed to, you know, the very caricature where it's just like, sure, just give me money and I'll do whatever you want me to.
1: Exactly. It's very much like you're going to get someone's blessing for the trip. Mm -hmm. Like it's almost, it's almost for like the goodwill of those journeying to have that.
0: Yes. And the grass cloaks. It made me want a grass cloak. I was like, I want a cozy grass cloak. That seems very fun and nice.
1: We're definitely doing that in our merch.
0: That would be fantastic. I wish I knew how to make one.
1: Grass cloaks. We'll figure it out. We'll hire someone once we get a producer. Okay. Hi, Give us $15 on Patreon and we'll send you a grass cloak.
0: Yeah, that would be fun. Send us money. Just send us money and maybe something will happen.
1: Please send us money.
0: Um, it's like gambling, but we'll spend it on alcohol.
1: It's you know, it's high risk, high roll.
0: Is that is that cribbage?
1: Or is it high risk, high reward? I think we're high risk, high reward. Like you could roll you could roll an absolute zero or the dice could break in half and you could roll twelve.
0: Exactly. If you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely we're starting to sound like a shakedown.
1: Yep. Shakedown. And I loved, I loved the kindness. I know that's weird because mm-hmm. I, I think we totally see that, like, I think we view our, like, more primitive predecessors as, like, being, like I said, primitive. But then, like, you mm-hmm. see these, like, really beautiful, they cared about the people around them. And there's
0: just, like, a close camaraderie. Yeah. That goes with the people you who are surrounding you. And the need to keep them safe and make sure that they're doing okay.
1: No, my question is, when she drops the tome
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's rediscovered, do we assume that they died on their journey?
0: I assumed that they died based on the fact that she drops it. Um, and then, you know, the page says, who knows what happens to these people? Perhaps some die. Some may escape. We can't know which is interesting because in that moment we get the piece chipped out of it, Yeah. but we don't forget them. They record their lives. And I think that's so interesting. I don't think we're meant to know, but I definitely assumed.
1: So the story
0: they were telling was saying that they passed away,
1: but she doesn't die.
0: No, she can't. She exists outside of our 3d space. I would say she either exists in a 4D or a 5D space.
1: But she can partake in like things within our three-dimensional realm.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just like we can view things that are 2D. This
1: is very flat land.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Oh, and then we come to the Gutenberg.
1: Hey, Gutenberg. How about Sorry. that power move when she repeats? I think it's three or four times where she's like, the master is not in. Mm-hmm. She's like. Bitch, did I stutter?
0: Yeah, she's like, get the fuck out. Get the fuck out.
1: Yeah, like, I don't think you heard me the first time. The master, he's mm-hmm. not in.
0: Yeah, and I, I love that we've been building to this story because, you know, in the first environment she's in, they, we have the the verbal storyteller and the people who are carving pieces of art to tell a different type of story. And then our next one, she's a scribe, writing down the entire story of the people she's with. And then our next one is Gutenberg, which literally revolutionized.
1: Immortalizing of what was once the like spoken word and written word into like a universal medium.
0: Yes, and it's just, it it changed it so, knowledge became accessible to everyone. Bible became accessible to everyone. And it's cool. It's cool. I'm a fan of Gutenberg. So it was nice to see his extremely important invention included in this.
1: One like such radical thought to the eclipse conversation.
0: Yes. Yes. Which is, you know, the, um, the, con- the consistent rough juxtaposition that seemingly will always exist between science and religion between using your sources to interpret the world around you or interpreting the world around you based on the evidence you see. Exactly. It is interesting how in the discussion they also weave in that at some point there won't be eclipses anymore, which is so weird.
1: Yeah, that was strange.
0: Guess the moon is floating away from us?
1: Are we losing the moon in orbit? What happens? I hope not. I mean, I'm I'm a little scared. I'm like, what if the Earth falls into another orbit?
0: What if Mars steals us?
1: We freeze. We would truly our planet would our planet would die. We're gonna be returned to the stardust.
0: Can't wait. Shoot me into the shoot me into the sky.
1: Beam me up, Scotty.
0: I don't want to pay like a million dollars to have like a SpaceX rocket take my ashes, just like. Burn me down and just like yeah. launch a, a fire firecracker.
1: Honestly, <laughs> it'll go. Put me in the ocean and then I'm gonna be absorbed into rain clouds and then maybe like I'll enter into the ozone and it'll just be like a, you know, it's gonna be like taking the greyhound out. But
0: yeah, and then you'll get stuck in in the rain barrel of some hippie in Seattle.
1: True. Maybe <laughs> oh, that's not the best it. way. <laughs> Are you afraid of your mind getting uploaded to some database, your consciousness?
0: I'm not afraid of it. I am looking forward to it. Basically, ever since I saw San Junipero, I was like, oh yeah, that's what I want to happen.
1: Yeah, I'd totally, I'd be like, okay, great. Yeah. Like people are like, Do you, you'll end up like, I think that's truly really like a fear of some of these like neo-fascist people fearing technology and shit. And I'm like, Mm-hmm. Honestly, it sounds better than being here right now.
0: I just really love that scene of Gutenberg, um, how it goes from him fighting off his attackers with like these wonderful words about about stories and how stories become something more. Yeah, yeah, and how it's so important to write things down and preserve them, and how that how that goes from being handwritten to the woodblocks. And then Gutenberg's invention and the thudding and the crashing turns from him fighting to protect his matrix to someone using an actual printing press. And
1: yeah. I just
0: thought it was really cool. And the word is no longer a god that belongs to humanity. It's so good.
1: So good. The physical act of the printing press is fighting for what you believe in.
0: Yes. Yes, because that was one of the first things they did with the printing press was pamphlets.
1: Yeah. Fuck tyranny. Mm-hmm. Fuck it.
0: Yeah, America said fuck tyranny.
1: Fuck tyranny. And now we believe in it.
0: And then this next part, just really quick, about, you know, us. When two human minds really connect, something truly powerful happens. The two yeah. minds become more than their parts. It gives them a strength of thought. And a confidence to try things. Oh, but yes, and then this is the part you were talking about where she is a journalist, or a reporter.
1: Yes, yeah, so she's gone. She She's really, like, kind of ascended to one of her final forms,
0: which mm-hmm. is
1: a journalist.
0: <laughs> if you will. <laughs> and she's a lot more vocal. I think with every incarnation, she becomes more vocal.
1: yes. This was one of the parts where my mind kind of numbed over a little bit because I like kind of comprehended like the parts where they talked about like the art isn't the truth. The art is the lie that leads the viewer to the truth. I was like, okay, I get that.
0: I would I will say my little dumb feminist brain that never shuts up was kind of glossing over this part because I just hate Picasso.
1: Such a fucking chauvinist.
0: So I was like, but it is an interesting part. And it's that transition we've been focusing on. I mean, we do have that bit of sculpture in the very beginning, but since then, it's been a lot of focus on words. And here we have that transition of expressing ideas and concepts and stories and, and tales and news through words, transitioning back to telling those stories through art as well. And through art, we express our conception of what nature is not, which yes. is interesting. It's an interesting part of this movement, this step away from, um, is it naturalism? When you just try to paint what's in front of you?
1: That is realism.
0: Realism. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's it's like this step away from this and it goes back to that concept of the human mind has the ability to create that which doesn't exist. So you have these artists who are saying they're not interested in depicting what they've already seen. They want to paint something that doesn't exist yet.
1: Which I'm like, is technically possible, but not possible at the same time. But for Picasso's time, and you know, I think it's kind of like we don't value, like for lack of a better example, Michael Jackson's music. Because Mm -hmm. we're so desensitized by it at an early age and it's kind of the same way with like you look at these works of art that actually did kind of do what they set out to do like with Picasso. I'm so desensitized to his work because I've seen it so many times. But for Mm -hmm. the period, probably definitely did that.
0: Yes. Is it um, the Brock painting that he talks about reminds me. Oh, Nude Descending a Staircase Number 2 by Marcel Duchamp. And the piece that he, that Brock, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name right because I'm sure it's French, but the piece he talks about where he says uh, dissociate color from form, freeing it, making it independent of form, it reminded me of New Descending a Staircase because that's very much what that painting does because it's a sense of movement. From the title, you would expect something risque, but because everything is A form separated from its final figure you get this sense of of movement and this deconstruction of the form instead which i find very interesting and he was a contemporary of theirs so it very much makes sense art nerd corner
1: it's a painting of motion yeah that's so beautiful the way you said that because that's exactly what i see
0: Speaking of that line you were talking about where he said, art is not truth, art is the lie that makes us realize the truth. There's also a great screamo band that I listened to in uh, the early to mid-2000s called Showbread that have a song called Stabbing Art to Death where they have a similar line that says, art is not the world, art is in our hearts, which I think is a similar sentiment. But anyways... Ignoring my emo face for a little bit, I like the way <laughs> I like the way that that sentiment with Picasso and Brock as mountaineers roped together, navigating unknown territories, is tied into this sort of quantum space. It sort of becomes this Newtonian, not Newtonian, um, Einstein-esque representation of the universe. The universe is dreaming about itself (sighs) oh this does go to einstein doesn't it
1: yeah it does
0: That's that's why i'm thinking about einstein but i think that's a cool way to tie it together because you know einstein was very much doing the same thing where he was also sort of untethered and looking for a way to explain the world around him, looking for a way to depict what was going on in his head. His dream uncovers the dissonance between how we experience the universe and what the universe is. And once again, it's just like a tying and twisting together of that art and science and just like the marriage between creating something that doesn't exist and figuring out how anything exists
1: it's the i've come to realize that the individual person is just a part of the whole universe we are limited in space and time but we are a part of it nonetheless there are only two types of immortality the memory of an individual may be conserved for some generations but this is only relative the only true immortality is the immortality of the cosmos
0: The only true immortality is where we go back and become part of the minerals generating further life on this planet.
1: We return to the circle of life.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, man. This part, I will say, as I said before, with my feminist hat on for Picasso, as soon as I saw that we were talking about DNA, I was like, oh, man screw on the feminist hat because renee is either about to be very happy or very upset because of all the things in the world that i have very strong opinions of and i feel like there's quite a few things that are just out of left field that people don't expect me to have strong opinions of but the discovery of dna is one of them
1: tell me more
0: i am a huge um To use the words the kids use, I'm a huge stan of Rosalind Franklin.
1: Yes.
0: I think she is one of the most underappreciated geniuses of our time. And the fact that she did not win a Nobel Prize for her research when Watson and Crick did is ridiculous. Especially since her research was essentially stolen from her. And used without her permission.
1: Yeah, they wouldn't have been able to make the discoveries that they did without her research.
0: Exactly. How did you feel about this story that Maurice Wilkins is talking about, where he says he's talking about how he was involved in the Manhattan Project, which he regrets, and sometimes I feel I should have never gone, but then this image, this wonderful thing, would not exist. He's almost like-,
1: like taking credit and also absolving himself of guilt at the same time.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Like no, if you had if you had died in the atomic bomb tests, it would still exist because you're not the one who discovered it.
1: I felt this was bigger than my personal morals and I'm like you just you you just worked on it. You didn't come up with it. Like you said, Yeah, exactly. It's like you're right.
0: And just like working on the Manhattan Project, like oh, I heard of horrible things happening. Okay, well, Japan was in the process of surrendering when we dropped atomic bombs on them. So I have this is another time for me to get into all of my various feelings about the Manhattan <laughs> Project and Harry Truman, but maybe another day, maybe another day. I love, I love this little diversion they take discussing the um, creation of microscopes and like the um curved glass that we use for it because that is something so cool and it's one of those things that we just kind of take for granted because we are lucky enough to be alive in an era where it already exists
1: yeah like that whole thing about the the camera that captured that took pictures in rapid succession and captured the bird's movement mind-blowing so cool I'm like, how could you, how did you know how to build that? Right?
0: How does the human mind have the ability to take these things and to make the cognitive leaps? Here's something I can build. If I take it three steps further, here's what I can make. That's so cool to me.
1: Yeah, cameras in general blow my mind. Like the idea that someone was able to realize that, like, with certain film, you were able to create a flash and capture an image. I truly can't wrap my mind around it.
0: It's so cool. And people who build little like matchbox cameras that work are so cool.
1: So, how quickly would you freak out if you were the person taking the picture orbiting the moon?
0: That would be so fucking cool.
1: I would freak out.
0: That would probably be so. I've always said that my, if I could have a job at any time during any period of history, I would want to be a plague doctor during um, the bubonic plague um, just because I just really love, you know, the outfit. I think it's super cool. And I I don't think they get enough credit for how forward-thinking they were considering germ theory wasn't necessarily a thing yet. But the fact that they wore gloves that had grease on them And they were like, the full suits and, of course, you know, like, the cool fucking beaks that were stuffed with spices and stuff. Anyways, that would be number one job, if I could have any job at any time. Second would probably be to be Michael Collins in 1969 and be the person in a rocket taking photos of the moon. Oh, God, I would get so much sleep done. I would sleep the entire way. I'd have to set an alarm, be like, robot, tell me when we're at the moon. I'm taking a nap again yes i don't need your judgment
1: i'd read like every single book i'd bring like an entire collection of books
0: that would be fun yeah send me on i want to go on a satellite to saturn
1: i bet he had music right i bet he probably had a turntable
0: oh probably not i don't think there was space for it but you know who did have a turntable dj cool Herc.
1: this dj cool Herc story i'm i gagged
0: it's so cool, and it's, it's cool to see this story told because it is not just the start of a movement, but it's the creation the creation of something that didn't exist before, the creation of something new, a chimera of sound, if you will, <gasps> that launches this whole new system for telling stories. I want to be a chimera of sound.
1: just And literally just learning how to like stop the turntable and spin the beat and introduce a new song and like incorporate the two and like repeat a line. I'm like, oh my God, engineering. And I love that this book kind of holds like genetic engineering and sound engineering at the same level here.
0: It's very much the similar thing where you're – imagining something that doesn't exist yet and you're figuring out a way to make it happen
1: and it's it's the lion man taking the tusk and blending like he's making the metaphorical lion man blending two sounds to create something new that had never been heard (laughs) before
0: the whole thing with the spider goats I had to look that up because I was like that has to be fake I've literally never heard about that it's real that is so cool but is it like their go- their milk is silk like silk is in their milk that's so weird,
1: yeah, that's
0: such a that's such a strange thing not only to imagine but to make happen
1: you know why they did it though why? because the DNA is probably so close to what the silk was in the DNA code that like it was such mm. a simple like it wouldn't absolutely like. Devastate them. It wouldn't devastate the goat to alter its DNA too much in that way.
0: Huh? That's very cool.
1: I love that in the intro. He's like, because spiders are reclusive and they often eat each other. That's why we. (laughs) 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 I'm like, heard. Yes, you're right. I'm like, spiders Uh, do do that because they're savage, and like not through mutation but through design.
0: It's that that thread of when we were talking when we as if you and I had anything to do with the creation of this, we're just reacting to it. When they were talking about the apples earlier, the apples evolved through mutation. It was, this is what succeeds. Yeah. And it's that thread we've been following as humanity progresses. And we've gotten to the point where you don't have to wait for the apples to get bigger and juicier. We have the ability to design that now. We can design so many things because we've mapped the genome. We've mapped DNA. We know how to code it. We know how to change it. We know how to split it. We have too much power, as shown by the next bit. When they're bringing CERN into this,
1: the internet was totally a mistake.
0: That was a mistake. I can't believe I can't believe he has done this. Because it's it's one of those things where you you read the thought process behind it and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. A space where you can communicate through sharing information. We need diversity of thought in the world to face the new challenges. Little did he know that as soon as everyone was online, we would just retreat to our little hidey holes of echo chambers. Because and... it's true. Like, all we've ever wanted to do is connect, understand each other across time, across space, and if that was what we could do, if that's what we were using this for, then it would be wonderful.
1: Yeah. I have to admit that this was one of the sections where I was like, oh, I'm really sad because this is, like, really hopeful. And it's, like, uh, mm-hmm. it was a part where I'm like, oh, this is, yeah, this is really hopeful, but I don't really, this doesn't really serve me. <laughs> so I, I, was, <laughs> I read it. I'm like, okay, yeah, like. I agree with you, Renee. I'm like, yeah, this is technically um, true. All of the things that this comic book is saying. However, Mm -hmm. I sit sit with you in that that realm as well. That I'm like, well, you know, unregulated, the internet is a monstrosity. But your hypothetical idea is beautiful.
0: Yeah. The the intentions are remarkable. You know, the intentions, I believe, here are good. The intentions are are to make information shareable, to connect the human conscious, which could have been fantastic and could still be fantastic. You know, it can still change. It can still adapt. But as of right now, it's just actual reality is competing with freedomeagle.redstate.com.
1: God, snaps.
0: (laughs) We end up... Just back at the Manhattan Project. Yeah. I found it very interesting with the focus given by the emissary on, you know, obviously she is in our world, but not a part of our world. And she appears to be a part of the universe itself. And there's an interesting theory about why we suddenly see an increase in UFO activity after World War II and one of the theories is that once we harness the power of the atomic bomb other intelligent species started taking notice because we suddenly became much more dangerous i think it's interesting that this is included but also she just kind of leaves it because of the futility of it yeah. you know she does not understand the borders that people put around themselves around their ideas on mars around our borders
1: and again this the free the free thought that's inspired by the world wide web and then 40 years prior it's keep these secrets don't tell anyone
0: yeah because the world wide web expands from a military project and becomes a way to share information when yeah this whole situation is just guard your secrets (laughs) don't see shit, don't say shit.
1: Don't see shit, don't say... That's one of the billboards. (laughs) Alongside the enemy is looking. There's another Mm -hmm. billboard that says, don't see shit, don't say shit.
0: (laughs) I don't know. There's so much about the way this is written that I love because I think with each new idea presented, they still manage to tie it back to the the thesis if you will if i may be an annoying english major for a moment but just kind of their base ideas that we all come from the same stuff that we wow oh god what was what was the einstein quote again
1: but this is only relative the only true immortality is the immortality of the cosmos we are limited in space and time but we are a part of it nonetheless
0: yes come to realize the individual person is not is just a part of the whole of the universe yeah So just like that Einstein idea that we are all part of the universe and I love that they continually tie back to that idea. So when they're talking about Mariner 9 it's not just something that we have created that didn't exist before which is their other thesis statement but they also tie in built from metals pulled from the body of our planet and mixed and reshaped which is so cool. It's an object made in a way of the same stuff that we are made of just in a different configuration. Yes. And we send it out into space to be our eyes and our ears where we can't go. <laughs> and curiosity. Oh. I love you, curiosity.
1: We're. I love that. It's so cute. It's like Wally. Mm-hmm. I am curious as to why, because I like this hypothetical. I'm like, it's a cute little scene. My question comes at why is it such a bizarre? Does he think he's encountering a Martian when he sees her, when he sees the emissary?
0: I feel like in that instance it's sort of maybe not a Martian, but it's definitely when you when you see something that your mind doesn't have the capacity to fully fathom because we've seen that she does have the ability to Blend take in. a form people can understand. Yes. But in this instance, it looks like this, I don't want to say like true form or natural form, but it looks like she is in, and it could just be the fact that she's floating. The fact that he is restrained by the gravity of Mars, whereas she is untethered and she has the ability to just float away because she is part of the cosmos or part of whatever, but more part of the universe than we are more part of the entire universe than we are.
1: I agree with that. I think I think it's like – and I think too that it doesn't matter if it's a primitive or like hyper intellectualized human mind. Like it's the same response. Like if she had done that in front of the primitive human, the response would have been the same. So I think that's interesting too that it's like just being in awe of like something that is unknowable by the human mind, which mm-hmm. is also unfathomable, right?
0: Yes. also, how did you feel about the poor unfortunate breakdown beforehand? Because I think that it shows just the limits of what we can understand about our own place in the universe. like the we're still driven to document everything we do, which is a very human instinct. not just recording the minute aspect of our lives, but just kind of finding our own ways to make sure people know we were here and the weight of that. The weight of realizing that that's something that humans have done forever. Um, An individual's experience does survive beyond that individual's death through stories, language, books, art, music shared via the World Wide Web. The fact that, like Einstein said, you can have that immortality of the universe just by putting yourself out there, putting your thoughts and your ideas and everything out there. And the weight of that, the amazing, wonderful weight of it,
1: it's like I feel like this scene is a parallel to the scene where there when she drops the tablet and it shatters. hmm I feel like this scene has some of that energy. Yeah. But it's it it is self-aware.
0: I think so. Just because you have so much more experience to base it on.
1: When he loses Harry and the Dust. Oh,
0: I know.
1: I hope he I hope he finds Harry. He's just a dust storm. But
0: I hope he does too. I loved that little story. You know, stories are so important in this graphic novel. And it's a reframing of a space that otherwise doesn't have that great of a reputation because, you know, it was where they tested the nuclear weapons program. But you you take it and you say, this used to be a place of creation, not destruction. This used to be a place of exploration. This used to be a place of finding new things, finding new islands, finding new constellations. This used to be a place of life. And by telling their story, you're giving it another chance to be. because now yes. in my memory, when I think of it, I'll, you know, not only will my mind think of, the nuclear weapons experiments, but I'll remember, oh, this used to be a place people lived and where they flourished for thousands of years. Do you think, because she's very much been, our emissary has very much been a constant on the planet Earth throughout the life cycle of humanity. Of course, she was there prior to humanity, but she was there at the creation of life. Do you think when she leaves, Does the dust storm kill us? Is that why she leaves?
1: That's what's weird to me, is that I wonder if this is, again, another – the self-absorption of the human mind. We want to hear the stories about us specifically. So it's like Mm -hmm. she slows down for the purpose of telling – These, like, moments in history that she explores. But Mm -hmm. I wonder, is it because we aren't meant to know what the future holds? It's that kind of same thing where she, like, blinks and it's, like, 4,000 years later.
0: It's possible.
1: So, like, she floats away. She closes her eyes. She blinks. And then, like, the Earth is still there. And she sees Mars as well, both islands of life. So we do establish life on Mars. And then she just kind of accelerating through the emptiness – But now she knows where she's headed. She lets herself relax into this new phase. She's pulled into the vastness of space. The sun now just another bright dot accelerating through the emptiness.
0: Are we seeing the death of our universe?
1: Oh, we're seeing the death of our universe at the end for sure.
0: Yeah, and now slowly the lights are going out one by one. These white hot stars are imploding, exploding, dissipating into nothingness. And then she waits in the sea of black for it all to happen again.
1: (laughs) Wow.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah, this was, I feel like this was kind of the perfect thing for us to read after Blankets because this is, after so much introspection, it's nice to just like chill out and think about macro things for a while, like the universe and humanity's place in it instead of my own childhood trauma.
1: Same. I'm like, oh, I can, I can relate to the universe, and what's I
0: too not- am imploding I, constantly.
1: I too, one day, will go completely dark, and then wait be <laughs> born. Um. So, tell me, Renee, would you yes. recommend out of dark, out, out of darkness, out of nothing, to someone else to read?
0: Oh, absolutely. I would say I would easily recommend this. To someone who enjoys um, who enjoys history, who enjoys um, any sort of existential thought, who enjoys sitting and thinking about what it all means. And uh, yeah, for people who just enjoy cool psychedelic art, I wouldn't hesitate. What about you?
1: I would recommend it as well. I think it's beautiful. I think it's universal and its themes, of course, which, I, ugh, LOL, it's talking about the universe. So universal. Uh, 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 it's literally
0: uh, universal. Uh. Da-da-da. Da-da-da. Da-da. We are smart and we know words.
1: We know words. Welcome to Pygmalion, where Renee teaches me how to use them correctly. <laughs> I... My Fair Jace. <laughs> My Fair Jace. God, what a name. My Fair Jace. <laughs> I 100% would recommend it because even though there were parts, like again, I own what I said at the top. There was a lot that I went kind of my, my mind became numb because I couldn't fully comprehend Mm -hmm. it, but I still found the beauty in the interconnectivity of the human condition and like how we all are connected by a common thread, whether that thread presents itself through science, through art through technology, through any innovation over any medium, Mm -hmm. it still is connected.
0: Yeah, just like the resilience of the human mind to continually create and innovate. We've read some cool graphic novels so far with like some amazing art in it. But honestly, just about every single page of this book is beautiful enough that I would want it framed on my wall. Yeah. Uh, Just like the end where uh, she knows that all these stars were once born in a hot flash and a rush of energy where she's just kind of floating in the abyss of stars. I think that's beautiful. It's just very, you know, primary colors, very solid, very, like I said, very psychedelic in a way. And I think it pairs well with sort of the deep topics that we cover in the book. If this had been drawn like at the Mountains of Madness, I think it would have been too heavy. You know,
1: I would have been sad and not hopeful by the end. Yeah.
0: yeah, but I feel very like even though it ends with the death of the universe as we know it, I still feel very uplifted by the end. You know,
1: I really love that it it encourages the reader to not fear returning to the elements, but like know that, again, we are greater than the sum of our parts.
0: And in the end, we're a part of the universe. Exactly. Each and every one of us.
1: We've come from stars.
0: And we'll go back to stars in the end, in billions of years, and maybe we'll be part of the next universe. Who knows?
1: I can't wait.
0: And that's kind of a cool thought when you think of it.
1: Yeah.
0: Put that on a t-shirt. That's kind of a cool thought when you think of it. That's,
1: that's a really cool thought when you think of it. It seems like she's gone through a lot. <laughs> we did it. You survived. We spoke.
0: <laughs> you listened.
1: You listened. We hope, or we hope that we made your commute a little bit easier. Thank you so much for listening to Read This Way and going on this journey through Daniel Locks and David Blandy's Out of Nothing. If you want to follow us on different mediums, uh, you can listen to us, which is probably where you already are. But tell your friends they can listen to us on Spotify. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it's Read This Way Period Podcast. That's also our email handle. All you got to do is throw on at gmail.com. At the end, if you have a suggestion of a comic book, graphic novel, or graphic memoir that you'd like for us to read. Mm-hmm. Personal Instagram handles. Mine is at that jacekid, J spelled J-A-S-E. And Renee's is Pogue Like the Band. Mm-hmm. P-O-G-E. Pogue Like the Band. Oh, sorry. I was so close to getting it right.
0: You're fine. The underscore is so unnecessary. I don't even know why it's there.
1: The underscore is silent. Yeah. (laughs) It's a a silent underscore. But thank you so much for listening to Read This Way and we look forward to your silent but very heavy and much needed presence next episode. I'm Jace Wingate.
0: I'm Renee Pogue.
1: (laughs) We love you and we're signing off.
0: Goodbye. Forever. Or until next time. Whichever comes first.
1: Whichever comes first.